0: Good morning everyone, welcome to Crestview Baptist Church this morning, thank you for choosing to come worship with us this morning, we are glad to have you here, if you're a guest and visiting with us for the first time, there's some cards in the pews in front of you, if you fill one of those out, drop it in the offering box out the door, we'd just love to have a record of your attendance, there's quite a few things going on this week, so, uh, if I miss something, I apologize, but it's all in the bullet in front of you. I'm going to go through it real quick. Uh, starting with tonight, don't forget we have our uh, picnic at the creek, our, fifth, our, our last Sunday picnic at the creek. Uh, bring uh, ser- cup- covered dish meals. Whatever you bring is what we eat. So, uh, bring, let's bring lots of food for that, because I'm hungry. Um, so, that is tonight. Uh, tomorrow night. At uh, 6.30, we will have a prayer time here in the sanctuary as we are preparing for revival in just a few weeks. And that information is in your bulletin. Um, Don't forget about our Wednesday night services, our Bible study in here, our youth and children services out in the building, um, and the college. Yes, we have a uh, college class that we we are... Getting started up, we've had uh, we've had a need for that over the past year, and uh, so Miss Linda is leading that, and I look forward to see how that's going to go. I'm excited about it. So if you know any college kids, invite them to church Thursday night, uh, weather permitting, there'll be a work day here at the church, um, so uh, keep that in mind. And then um, Saturday is our first of the month uh, breakfast from 7 to 930 So all those things, keep those things in mind um, and be in prayer for our uh, revival as we get ready to get that started. But right now, um, let's just take some time to focus on God this morning and shift our attention to him.
1: Good morning. It is good to see everybody here today. And, and thank you for being here. Thank you for those joining us online. We are glad that you're with us also. And um, as we get going this morning and we begin to focus on God, let's please join me in prayer as we begin our worship time together. Our blessed Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for everything that you have done for us. Dear Lord, I ask you right now that you fill this place with your presence. Dear Lord, this is not the biggest crowd that we've had here. But dear Lord, it's not the smallest. And size does not matter. Because you tell us if two or more are gathered in your name, that you will be in the midst of them. And dear Lord, we know that you're here with us. And we ask that your spirit move among your people that you open our hearts, you open our ears. Dear Lord, that you begin working on us from the inside out so that we can be responsive to your leadership. Dear Lord, we have many that are not here with us today because of sickness. We have some that are traveling. We have some that are working, dear Lord. And I ask you to bless them. Let them fill you right now. And dear Lord, I ask that above all, as we honor you and worship you this morning, that if there is someone here today or listening online that does not know you as their personal Savior, that your Spirit would convict them, dear Lord, that they would not leave this time that we have together without coming to know you in a very personal way. And dear Lord, we ask that, that everything is done and said here. The songs that we sing. The words that Chad speak to the children. That I bring from your word today. Will be nothing but the truth. But it will be nothing but the word of God. And will be pleasing to you and edifying to your church. Now, as we begin this time together, I ask that you just take away all the thoughts of today away from our minds, all the things that we have to do that we may fully concentrate on you. And we give you all the honor and glory for it. In the holy and precious name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, we pray. Amen.
2: As we all sing 243 for our call to worship, sweet, sweet spirit, 243.
3: There's a a a sweet, sweet.
0: Kiddos come down here this morning. Yes, Kaylee, you can come. You just had that look like I still want to come down. How is everybody? Good, I'm glad to have you here. All right, listen, got a question. So what have we been working on every week? The Lord's Prayer. We have been working on the Lord's Prayer every week. Hands to yourself, boys. Hands to yourself. Hands to yourself. So I am, we are going to finish that up next week. We are almost there. Hands to yourself. So So, today, I got a question, though. Who likes, who's ever had a birthday party? Anybody ever had a birthday party? Who likes to have a birthday party? Yeah. All right. So, what is your favorite part about a birthday party? Eating cake and open presents. Eating cake and open presents. What were you going to say? The pinata. He's never had a pinata at her birthday party, so I don't. <laughs> so, so presents is what I was expecting was going to be everybody's favorite part of. Of uh, their birthday party. Hey, you come sit over here. right here? Come here. Come here. Come here. Sorry. Come here. Sit right here. Hey, it's right here. Yep. It's right here. All right. The so presents are like the staple of a birthday party. But so, when you open a present, do you just and you get done opening your presents? Do you just send everybody out on their own? Send everybody out and say, Alright, bye, y'all have a good day. Or what do you say when you're open when you opening presents? You say thank you, right? Because why? You want to acknowledge that you realize that that gift was from that person and you want to tell them that you are very thankful for that gift, right? Alright, so this is the part of the Lord's Prayer that we're on today. Today's line in the Lord's Prayer... Is for thine is the kingdom and the power and glory forever. Amen. Now you're gonna think, what does that have to do with gifts at a birthday party? Well, we're at the part in the Lord's Prayer where what we're doing is we're saying, God, all of this that I just prayed for and everything that we have is because of you. And I'm 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 telling God that it's all in His power, it's all for Him, and I'm just thankful for that. So it's kind of like thanking our friends at a birthday party. Now when we go out for Children's Church, we're going to talk about it a little deeper, we're going to talk about it more. So what I want you to think about doing this week is for everything that you do, everything that you go through, everything that you have, talk to God and know that He's in control and that everything that we have is because He loves us and because He created it, right? So let's bow our heads and I'm going to have you guys sit over here and then we're going to sing and we're going to go out to children's church. Let's bow our heads. God, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for each one of these boys and girls that are up here. Thank you for all the wonderful things you do for us. And Lord, I'm just always so grateful and so willing to admit that everything is because of you. Help us to remember that throughout our daily
2: lives. All of this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Right
2: here. sing for our hymn of praise, 448, Just a Closer Walk with Thee.
3: 448. I am weak, but thou art strong. I agree. I agree. This is like my dream.
1: Thank you. As you can see, we're going to continue with the line of, of ser- services or sermon about being a disciple of Christ. And today, the title of the sermon is A Disciple's Effective Power. A lot of times we think that what Christ expects from us is impossible for us. And I'm going to tell you something. And you may not hear preachers tell you this very often. But what God and Christ expects from us is impossible for us. There is no way possible that we in ourselves can match up to what God expects for us. If you do not believe that and you think you can do it all on your own, you are sadly mistaken. Look at the Old Testament. Look at the Old Testament. There is no way that we can keep God's standards on our own. So we have to have power given to us in order to do that. So we're looking at a disciple's effective power. How do we meet God's standards? How can we do what Christ expects of us? So if you turn to Acts chapter 1 and stand as we look at verses 4 through 8, or as I read these, Acts chapter 1, Verses 4-8 through says this, And gathering together, He commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised. Which He said, You heard of Me, for John baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And so when they had come together, they were asking Him, saying, Lord, is it the time... You are restoring the kingdom to to Israel. He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the epochs which the Father has fixed by His own authority. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest parts of the earth. Let's pray. Our blessed Heavenly Father, we come before You, thanking You for what we see Luke recording in Acts. We thank You for the promise of the Holy Spirit. And we thank You for the power that we receive through the Holy Spirit. We ask all of this in the holy and precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. One thing we have to realize about being a disciple is that a disciple's dependence on the power of the Holy Spirit is essential for us. In order to live the way God wants us to live, in order to do what God has called us to do and to be able to feel the will of Christ for our lives, we have to have the Holy Spirit in us and we have to be dependent upon the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to let you in on a little secret. I was talking with Jackie during our prayer time this morning. And she talked about her being an introvert. And I said, well, I am more and more of an introvert. I am, I guess, what many would consider a closet introvert. Because God has called me to do something that is not very introvertive in nature. He has called me to preach and to teach. And I can't do that from behind the scenes. If you see me when we go, when Ginger and I go, Ginger is very much an extrovert. Listen, my wife will talk to a doorknob and that doorknob will talk back to her. She has never met a stranger. If I go anywhere, if, if she has something at work that, that I have to go with her, this is what I do. I, I find a place and I sit here just like this, and this is what I do all night long. Where is she? She's out talking to everybody and anybody. And I sit there. Hopefully, I'll, I'll, there'll be somebody that I know that I can sit and talk to. Otherwise, I'm just sitting here all night long. She says, You have a good time? No. <laughs> Who enjoys just sitting there? But I, I mean, I, that's just, that's me. But God has called me something different. And and, and so, I have to be dependent upon the Holy Spirit to get me through these. Now, I'm going to tell you, when I get done on Sunday after Sunday morning, I go home, I am exhausted. I am exhausted. But it's because of the power of the Holy Spirit. And any preacher will tell you the same thing. If they get up here and preach God's Word, and they preach what God wants them to preach, they will be exhausted afterwards. If you look in the Old Testament, a lot of times the prophets that are speaking for God, God has to minister to them afterwards because they are literally spent. But it's the power of the Holy Spirit. It's my dependence on God to guide me and direct me through the power of the Holy Spirit that gets me through this. Now the power Jesus speaks of here in in these verses in verse 8 it is only available through the Holy Spirit. There is no other way they can get this. There is no other way that they can do it. We cannot do it on ourselves. We know for a fact because it was in Acts, as they were going around doing miracles, somebody wanted to buy that power to be able to do that. It cannot be bought, regardless of how much money you give us. You cannot gain the power of the Holy Spirit through buying it. It is a gift given to us through a merciful Savior. It is the promised comforter that comes into our lives the moment we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior. Verse 1, 8. The first part, verse 8a. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Not before, not after. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you. This power, the power of the Holy Spirit enables Jesus' disciples then and now to become his witnesses. How do we know that? Well, Jesus says so. Look at the second part of the verse 8. And you shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest parts of the earth. Remember <clears throat> that just before this, in Matthew chapter 28, he, Jesus gives them the command. It's called the Great Commission. And He tells them that all authority has been given to Him in heaven and on earth. But He also gives them a command. He tells them to go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them, or baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And He says, and lo... I will be with you always, even until the end of the age. Well, then He turns right around and on the Mount of Transfiguration, He tells them this, and you will receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be My witnesses. He is reiterating the same thing and even tells us how we're going to have the strength and the power to do it because of the Holy Spirit. And see, in the book of Acts, we see a change in somebody. We see the power of the Holy Spirit becoming evident in the life of Peter. Now, Peter was one of the inner three. Peter, James, and John. They were Jesus' closest confidants he, they are the ones that He took with Him when He went and prayed at the garden before His arrest. He, they were the ones with Him when they arrested. Peter is the one that took out His sword and chiped off the, the ear of the, the servant of the high priest. Peter is also the one that says, I will die for you. And He says, before the clock crows, you will deny Me three times. And He says, no way. And guess what? Peter... Denied Christ. He denied His Master. He denied His Savior three times. He is also the one that God, that Jesus restored and said, Peter, do you love Me? And Peter said, yes. He said, feed My sheep. He asked Him a third time, Peter, do you love Me? He says, yes. And He said, feed My sheep. Then He asked Him a third time, Peter, do you love me? And it broke Peter's heart when he asked him the third time. And he goes, yes, Lord, I love you. And he said, feed my sheep. This Peter, many people have called him a zealot. Some have called him a coward. Peter had a problem that most of us have. I really think Peter thought more highly of himself than he ought to have thought. And Peter had a major case of foot and mouth disease many times. And I am sure that Jesus spent a lot of time laughing at Peter because Peter said some stupid stuff. And I'm sure Jesus just shook his head and said, "Oh, bless your heart." Those of you know understand what I mean when I say bless your heart. That's that's Southern Baptist for you big idiot. You don't believe me? If I got down out of here and I tripped going down the aisle and fell flat on my face, somebody in this church would say, oh, bless his heart. (laughs) That was Peter. But look at what happens to Peter after the Holy Spirit gets a hold of him. In Acts chapter 2, verse 14a. Or do I have the whole? I think I have the whole verse up there. It says this, look, but Peter, taking his stand with the eleven, raised his voice and declared to them, men of Judea, all you who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you. Give heed to my words. This is what happens in the day of Pentecost. When they're in the upper room, there's 120 of them that gathered together. They have been there since Jesus told them to stay in Jerusalem. They have gathered together. They have selected two Or selected somebody, a a disciple, to take the place of Judas, they are waiting for what Jesus promised them would happen. And then, like a rushing, mighty wind came in, and and fire landed on them, and, and, and fiery tongues set upon them, and they began to speak in tongues. These tongues were different than what we experience today. Because everybody that heard it, they, they, they heard this great commotion and they came running to see what was happening. And everybody, they had come from all over the place, they heard them speaking in their own languages. So if somebody spoke Arabic, they heard them speaking in Arabic. If somebody spoke Greek, they heard it in Greek. If somebody spoke uh, Roman, they heard it in, in Latin. Latin. Somebody spoke Hebrew. They heard it in Hebrew. Somebody spoke Egyptian. They heard it in Egyptian. They heard them prophesying about Jesus. And they heard it in their own tongues and they were amazed. But some of them started to to mock them. Some of them said, they're just drunk. They've hit the bottle way too soon and they're drunk. And then that's when Peter stood up, and he says, "Men of Judea, all you who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give heed to my word." And he begins to preach. And he and, and this is not something that he studied for; he had not spent the whole time preparing this sermon and ready to preach and he wasn't prepared to do this but the power of the holy spirit changed peter now I want to show you five ways dependency on the holy spirit affects a disciples lives the effective power of the holy spirit how it changes and how it affects our lives First, dependency on the Holy Spirit leads to confidence and courage even in the face of opposition. Look at Acts 4.13. Peter and John had been arrested and taken before the Sanhedrin court. It says this, Now as they observed the confidence of Peter and John and understood that they were uneducated and untrained men, they were amazed and began to recognize them as having been with Jesus. They recognized the fact, they recognized that there was something about them. They recognized the confidence and the power that they had when they spoke and that they had been uneducated men. These guys were just fishermen from Galilee. They weren't known to be educated. They hadn't set Under the world's premier teachers, they were just fishermen, common everyday people. But they spoke with such confidence that they recognized the fact that they had been with Jesus. Is the power of the Holy Spirit so evident in your life that people recognize the fact that you have been with Jesus? And then look at Acts 4, verses 19 through 20. But Peter and John answered and said to them, they had commanded that." now let me tell you, the Sanhedrin didn't know what to do with them. They were afraid to do anything with them because the people were excited about what was happening. And they were afraid of the people, so they told them not to preach in the name of Jesus anymore. And you now Peter and John answered back. He said, Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to give heed to you rather than God, you be the judge. For we cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and what we have heard. You see, the presence of the Holy Spirit will, will spur the disciple to stand up to those who would disparage truth and righteousness. And to stand up for the cause of Christ and the gospel. Church, we see so many times that Christians will argue with non Christians or even with other Christians on Facebook. They will do it on social media. Church, I'm going to tell you something. Arguing on Facebook is like banging your head against the wall, it's going to get you nowhere. But through the power of the Holy Spirit, we need to take a stand in our lives. We need to take a stand in our our real life, everyday life, and show a difference. And we have to do it with love, we have to do it with, with understanding, grace, and mercy. But we have to let Jesus show through us. We have to live it. The second thing, dependency on the Holy Spirit leads to dependency on the Scripture. Now we have to understand here, Peter in this sermon on Pentecost, This was not something that he had studied for. This is nothing that he had prepared. But he was heavily dependent on Scripture. And he quoted Scripture. And we have to realize that this Scripture that he used were the Hebrew Scriptures. It was not the New Testament. The New Testament did not exist. He was quoting, and the Scripture that Jesus quoted was the Old Testament. The Hebrew Scriptures. And that's what he was quoting. In fact, he, he used three passages in this sermon on Pentecost to base his sermon. He didn't just say stuff, he based it on what was said in the Old Testament. Look, Joel chapter 2, verses 28 through 30 to, 32. It will come about after this that I will pour out my spirit on all mankind, and your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams, your young men will see visions. Even on the male and female servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. I will display wonders in the sky and on the earth. Blood, fire, and columns of smoke. The sun will be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And it will come about that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be delivered. There's another verse in the New Testament that says that. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be what? Saved. Same thing. For on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there will be those who escape, as the Lord has said, even among the survivors whom the Lord calls. Then he, he used Psalms one, or Psalm 16, 8-11. I have set the Lord continually before me because He is at my right hand I will not be shaken, therefore my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh also will dwell securely. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol, nor will you allow your Holy One to undergo decay. You will make known to me the path of life. In your presence in fullness of joy, in your right hand there are pleasures forever. And then finally, Psalms 110.1. The Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. We have to realize something, that the Holy Spirit and Scripture always go together. The Spirit of truth breathes out the Word of truth. We cannot. do what God has called us to do without having a firm foundation in His Word. And we cannot truly understand His Word without the power of the Holy Spirit. So the power of the Holy Spirit moving in us makes us more dependent upon Scripture. Dependency on the Holy Spirit, the third thing, leads to holy forgetfulness. You may say, what? What in the world is holy forgetfulness? Holy forgetfulness is this. Philippians 3, 13-14. This is Paul writing these verses, but this is a good example of holy forgetfulness. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do... What's that next word? Forgetting. What lies behind in reaching forward to what lies ahead I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus See as the Holy Spirit works we're ready to forget the failures of our past and claim the day of Christ See when Peter stood up to preach on the day of Pentecost you know one thing that was not on his mind It wasn't the time that he sank in the water because he took his eyes off of of Jesus and sank in in the water. And Jesus had to pull him back up. He wasn't thinking about that. It wasn't the three times that he denied Jesus during Jesus' trial. He wasn't thinking about that. What he was thinking about was what Jesus was saying to do right then. The thing we have to realize that we are so susceptible to is the fact that Satan always wants to remind us of our past. He wants us to to, to realize and to, to hold on to our mistakes, our failures, and he wants them to defeat us. But the power of the Holy Spirit allows us to understand that God says when I say I forgive you, I forgive you and I cast your sins as far as the east is from the west. That I throw them into the deepest part of the ocean and I forget about them. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It says in Romans that we become new creatures. Old things have passed away and new things have come. That is holy forgetfulness. And that is only through the power of the Holy Spirit that allows us to realize that yes, we make mistakes, but God forgives us of those mistakes. And once we ask him to forgive us, he does it. And we are new. We are justified. Justified means that God makes us justified, never sinned before. He clears it, he he clears it off our slate. All debts are paid. That's holy forgetfulness. And then number four, dependency on the Holy Spirit leads to a focus on Christ and the Gospel. See, look at how quickly Peter gets to talking about Jesus in his sermon on the day of Pentecost. Acts 2, 22-24. Men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus the Nazarene, a man arrested, attested to you by God, with miracles and wonders and signs which God performed through him in your midst. Just as you yourselves know this man delivered over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, you nailed him to a cross by the hands of the godless men and put him to death. But God raised him up again, putting an end to the agony of death, since it was impossible for him to be held in its power. See, Peter, very quickly, he took the focus off of what was happening in that upper room. He took the focus off those 120 people that were speaking in tongues, and he put the focus back where it needed to be, on Jesus and on the Gospel. Paul says it this way, "I, I, I commit to preach only Jesus and Him crucified. The power of the Holy Spirit has a way of keeping us focused on Christ. The verse I read out of Philippians, he says, forgetting what is behind and pressing toward the goal, keeping in sight that that goal. Well, what is that goal? It is Jesus. That is our goal. The skill of turning the conversation to Christ of turning an interaction into an opportunity to explain the Gospel. That's the effect of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And then lastly, dependency on the Holy Spirit leads to being fruitful. Acts 2 verse 41 says that when Peter finished His sermon, they were cut to the heart. They were cut to the heart. And this is what happens as a result. He says, so then, those who had received His Word and were baptized, and that day there were added about 3,000 souls. The power of the Holy Spirit allows us to be Jesus' witnesses. If we share the testimony that has been given to us, the Holy Spirit will use it to draw others to Him. It is not our job to change people. It is not our job to save people. It is our job to be His witnesses and to tell people. If we share the gospel, not everybody's going to accept it, but some will. Not everybody that heard the sermon on Pentecost accepted the message. But 3,000 of them did and continued to accept it over the coming days. All we have to do is be faithful in sharing it. God will do the addition. And then lastly, the ultimate effect of the Holy Spirit on the life of the disciple is this. The Holy Spirit takes all that God has given us, our gifts, experiences, passions, and knowledge, and set them to work bringing glory to Christ in the church and in the world. Apart from Him, our best yields very little. Yet with Him, our little yields so much. And that was a quote from a gentleman named Arthur Cock. Little is much when God is in it. We sing that song. Church, we're not a huge church. We're a small church. Church. But one thing that history has showed us and we need to constantly remember this is that God will take what faithful people are willing to give Him and do great things with it. There is no physical way that we should, have been, we should be out of debt at this point. I mean, let's face it. Let's be honest. But God was faithful. Faithful. People were faithful, and God took it and blessed it, and we are out of debt. We voted on a a budget last week that, honestly, if you look at paper, is going to stretch us. But God has a way of taking a little bit and making it into big things. We're getting ready to have revival. And people may say, well, what in the world can a small church do? If you look throughout throughout history, any great revival that started anywhere started with just a handful of people getting excited and allowing the Spirit to move within them. and allowing God to do what God wanted to do. Church, are you ready to let the power of the Holy Spirit move you and lead you and guide you into being an effective disciple with the effective power of the Holy Spirit? We cannot do it without the Holy Spirit. The best we can do is worthless. But God can, the Holy Spirit takes our our worthlessness and He makes it into something great. Are you ready to do that? If you're sitting here and you have no idea what all I've been talking about, you need to know Jesus. Jesus. And if you don't know Jesus, I would love to be able to introduce you to Him. I guarantee you He will change your life. He will cause you to be, have that holy forgetfulness where you forget everything about your past. And He turns it up on its head and He uses it to make you into the disciple and giving you a ministry to people that you never thought you would be able to do but this is your opportunity to get that taken care of. If God is working in you right now as we sing this song of invitation, this is your opportunity, this is your invitation to come forward and get things right with God as we sing this song.
2: Would you stand as we sing our hymn of invitation, 450. I need thee every hour, 450. <clears throat>
1: If have extra to bring, bring extra. but 6 o'clock down at the creek, we would love to have you. Jerry, you going to bring hornhole boards? I am. We're going to have cornhole boards. I made a big thing of chicken salad last night. I'm going to make some more stuff when I get home. Not that it's going to be any good, but I'm going to bring it. And, uh, and I'm sure other people are going to bring things. Um, just come ready to have a good time. We've not been able to have a, a good fellowship in a while. We need it. We're going to do it tonight at to the creek at 6 o'clock, so please come and share with us. And uh, don't forget, tomorrow night, 6.30, here in our sanctuary, we're going to continue with our cottage prayer meetings, but we're going to begin praying for the next two weeks, praying here in our sanctuary for our revival. that's starting on the 11th and going through the 14th and praying for our speaker, Richard Holden, that will be traveling up um, from Atlanta to lead our revival for us. So uh, please be here for that. And uh, don't forget Wednesday night and Thursday night working. If, if weather permits. Uh, I'm still down if it rains. You'll be here if the rain. There's things to be done inside. So. Okay,
2: well thank you for being here. And Sandra, if you would dismiss You may be seated. Uh, for the several Sundays, our sermons have been on Christianity And so know now that Christianity is a relationship with God and with other people. The Bible calls us to encourage others as Christians. And there's no doubt that we've all needed encouragement at some time or another in our life. Even today, there's many here that need encouragement, that are going through issues. Maybe you have no one to talk to. Maybe you're an introvert, like Artie was talking about, and you can't talk to others, but you need that shoulder. You need someone beside of you. There's people here that are feeling guilty of their past. Maybe you're here worried about school. Maybe you're here worried about your job, a failing marriage. You're worried about your aging parents, the decisions your children are making, waiting on reports from the doctor. But if you're not going through something right now, you will. Um, But the list does go on, and it is important for us to be encouraged, and it is important for us to be an encourager. We need to feel loved. So as the choir sings this medley of songs, uh, we have done this in the past. When we get to the third song, Lean on Me, look around you there's someone that you're going to feel led to go to that person. Maybe they're a visitor. Maybe you know nothing what they're going through, but you just want that person to know you are there for them and that they can count on you or that you're going to pray for them. And if you would, go to that person. And if you don't want to hold hands because of COVID, well, then just stand with them. But what we're going to do is ask you to stand on the sides, and that way... Maybe we'll make a circle and we'll all be praying for each other before it's over with. But you know these songs, the doxology, We Shall Overcome and Lean on Me, so I'm going to ask you to sing along with us.
0: the teachings of Jesus that we have witnessed the blessing of learning to lean on each other to give a joy and receive with grace. We have seen what can be, what should be, and with God's help, what will be. The dream will fall. The journey continues. The destination draws closer and the sun will surely rise on a day that we shall overcome. All of this, inextricably woven together by the inextinguishable source of hope, the giver of every good and perfect gift, the eternal Lord of heaven and earth.
3: We all need somebody to be We love me when you're not
2: yes